Hey, welcome into the Golf Club. Obviously a golf podcast here on ESPN Chicago. And it's my pleasure to join to be joined now by my former, I guess you could say colleague. I produced the show for many years, Bruce Murray. Bruce, how are you? I'm doing well. I, I, I accept the term colleagues, but I thought if you're going to host a golf-related podcast, you have to be somewhat uh, successful at the game itself, which having played with you for all those years, I know that's not the truth. Wow. Well, before we go any further, Bruce hosts <laughs> a show on Sirius called Time to Let It Fly with Murray and Lai. Mark Lai is your co-host who was our golf analyst. If people don't know who Mark Lai is, he played in the PGA Tour for around 20 years, was the creative consultant behind Happy Gilmore. Uh, and uh, Bruce, when does is, when is the show air on Sirius? Uh, so the show airs Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern time, and then it's rerun a number of times throughout the week, depending on what the schedule looks like. And I think with Mark Light, it's also important to point out, I, I share this with anybody who asks, remember, slept on the lead going into the Sunday at the Masters. Now, it's always strange to say it that way, because remember, he didn't actually have the lead after three rounds. The, the Saturday round was delayed. He had to finish it Sunday morning. So he didn't start the final round in the lead, but he slept on the lead going into the final day at Augusta, the year Ben Crenshaw won back in 1984. That's right. Now, he, he, di- he did blow the lead, right, by the time the fourth round started, but that's still pretty impressive. Uh, Mark uh, was in Happy Gilmore as well, was he not, Bruce? He was in a couple he, scenes? He was in Happy Gilmore, and uh, he's, always share, he's always happy to share with me uh, the residual check he gets every three months for, like, $12, yes. That's good. It's better, it's better than nothing. I, <laughs> yes. I've got so we can tell later. I got some great Mark Lai golf stories. The couple times we actually played golf, but so t- tell me a little bit about uh, your your show. Is it basically just each week going through what's going on, which hasn't been much until last week? What's going on in the golf world? Well, in fairness, for for about two and a half months, the, the entire PGA Channel was basically furloughed. Uh, it was taken off the air at Sirius because for a lot of reasons. Obviously, we had logistical issues getting people in to do some work, and you know there were certain channels that were considered essential that had to stay up and running. So we've been back on the air now for about a month. And, yes, you know, the first couple of weeks we were talking about some of the charity events, obviously the Tom Brady-Peyton Manning event in this past week. We did finally get real golf with the Charles Schwab Challenge, so uh, it seems like we have at least real golf to discuss now. It's not going to be week in and week out consistently with the way the schedule sets up. But, yeah, we, we, we focus on the events of the week, most of the time PGA. Occasionally the LPGA, if there's a major going on, maybe a, a, a seniors tournament. But for the most part, it's PGA-related. All right, so looking back to last week, Charles Schwab Challenge was a great field, great final day, crazy ending with two guys lipping out three-foot putts that, that would have at least sent them. I mean, who knows if Xander Shoffley would have won, but he would have gone to the playoff for sure. I mean, he parred 18. Uh, Colin Morikawa had a chance on 18 to win, missed like a six-foot putt, which Nick Faldo called wrong as well. He said, this is going left to right, and then he hit it, and it went right to left, and he goes, well, Looks like I just, I just read my, uh, my you know, whatever, looking at the greens again. Yeah, that putt does go right to left. That does break the other way. So um, have you ever seen something like that, Bruce? I mean, we've both watched a ton of golf. Have you seen two guys miss putts like that that could have uh, easily won the golf tournament before? Now, Colin Marocaro in the playoff also missed a three-footer that, that lipped out as well. So it's, it was crazy the way the golf, the golf tournament finished. Well, I mean, I, I think we've seen historically, you know, an individual, maybe one person, make a mistake like that, you know, even at the Masters where guys have missed short putts. But, you know, to have two guys on the same hole with putts that when I'm looking at them and I'm watching the event with my son, who's a golfer, 
you know, we're both thinking, yeah, w- those are tap-ins for us. I mean, this is going to extend to another hole when we got to the playoff or Xander Shoffley is going to make it three in the playoff. And, and they both missed, and they both missed on different sides of the hole. You know, I think Shoffley's was a little tougher to swallow only because of it, it went around the entire cup. Um, but it's, it's just odd. You know, I mean, I, I hate to say it, as, as Mark Lai would say to me every week when, when, we, when I bring something like that up, he'll go, well, that's golf. And, and the reality is it is, because we've all lived it ourselves. We don't expect it at the professional level, but even they, you know, can make a mistake, especially when, as you know, Randy, you're, you're, you're trying to take the break out of the putt on a really short putt, so these guys bang it toward the back of the cup. If it's not dead center, uh, you'll see what we saw last weekend where it lips out and then it you know, rolls you know, out of the hole. It's, it's not going to drop in. You know, Xander Shoffley seemed to handle it pretty well. They actually interviewed him after the round, Jim Nance did, yeah. and he seemed to kind of shrug it off a little bit. But Colin Marikawa seemed a little upset. I mean, obviously he was in the playoff. But I wonder for a young kid, he's, what, 22, 23 years old, how, how do you bounce back the week after? I guess they're so young they, they just forget about it. But that, that's a tough thing to bounce back from. And he had a chance to win his second tournament, only his second year in a tour. Well, it is, but, but I, I sometimes think that stuff is overrated. You know, we, we always try to evaluate the psyche, how they're going to move forward, you know, one, once they've dealt with that. Now, if we were talking about a major championship, it would take a lot longer. But, you know, what, what changes all that? Go out and play a good round of golf on Thursday, and it changes that. And he's a fabulously talented young player. He's going to be fine. I agree with you. I saw Shoffley's interview after, um, you know, disappointed, obviously, that, that he wasn't in the playoff, but he talked about how encouraged he was by the way he was striking the ball. And, and nobody knew what to expect going into this event because, you know, to a man, whether it was before the Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy and, and Brooks Kepka, John Rahm, all talking about I, this is the longest I've ever gone without playing competitive golf in my, basically my entire adult life. Nobody knows how they were going to react. So you can take solace in the fact that you're in the playoff. I know that it's going to be tough to get over, but the truth is I think we overrate that stuff sometimes. I, 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 his game is too good for this to linger with him. Visiting with Bruce Murray, who hosts a show on series called Time to Let a Fly with Murray and Lai. That's Mark Lai, former PGA player. And Bruce, I got to ask you because Jordan Spieth, around three or four years ago, I was thinking this guy is going to get nine, ten majors easily. He is, he's just dialed in with his irons. He's a great player. He really has no flaw in his game. Maybe he could hit a little farther, but, you know, even though he finished tied for ninth, he had a chance on Sunday. He was only stroke off the lead. In the back nine, he was only two off the lead. But he, he did something on the first hole that we would do. He put it run, I, I would say, just short of the green, and he just chili dipped it. He just chunked it the next shot like five feet, not even. And, you know, where is his game right now in your eyes? Well, I, I, first of all, I don't think he's putting exceptionally well. I think that's, that's really what gets in his way. Now, you know, what we saw on that, on that first uh, hole I, I, to me, that's just one of those rare you know, things that you may never see him do again for the next 10 years. So, so I'll put that aside. You know, it, we talk about him a lot because he does have the game to win. It's, it may be between the years. He can go out and play great on Thursday and Friday. And I'm texting with Mark, you know, seeing him on top of the leaderboard. And he goes, yeah, well, wait till Saturday plays out because, you know, Saturday always gets in his way. And, of course, this week it wasn't Saturday but Sunday as he just couldn't get going. You know, I don't know where his game is right now, to be fair. What I would say about him is we know about the talent, but, you know, in about two years now, he hasn't really been able to put together four good rounds of golf back to back to back to back. Now, you expect that as guys get older, but you don't expect it from the younger guys, and it's it's not easy to explain where his game is right now. You know, again, putting, 
he's really struggling at times on the greens. I mean, it's just, it's just not good enough. Um, and maybe you could use that as the example. And, and so much of that is mental. But it, it's, it's really hard to say because he can go out and shoot lights out on Thursday. He'll do it on Friday. For some reason, the weekend rolls around right now, and one of the two days catches up with him and takes him out of, out of contention. You know, it's funny, Bruce. I was watching an old interview with him from David Faraday's show, and this was right after he had that, you know, that great season where he won the Masters, he won the U.S. Open when Dustin Johnson three-putted from like five feet. Right. And then he was one stroke off the lead at the British Open. He lost when Zach Johnson won the playoff, but he didn't make the playoff, but he had a putt on 18 to go into the playoff. And then he was in the final group that year in the PGA, and Jason Day ended up winning, I think, by one or two strokes. His, and, you know, and they were just talking about, like, hey, it was a great year, but I still have things I can work on and get better in. You know, I know he's won other tournaments, and he ended up winning the Open, I think, a year later or two years later over Matt Kuchar. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. I, I think you're right. I think a lot of it's in his head right now, and you can see it on the course. He gets, he gets – even there was a shot on Saturday. It was an 85-foot shot he had into the green, and he stood over for a while, and he, he said to his, his caddy, Michael, he said, I'm not comfortable. And he ended up chunking that shot too. So it's just kind of weird. You know, these guys are great. We, we forget how great they are, but we also forget that – they're human, right? They're human. Well, and, and we also forget, and I'm not trying to compare the two. I'm, I'm not going there. But I, I think you've got to understand um, that so much of this game is mental. And how do they handle the pressure that comes with rising to the level that Jordan Spieth did? It, as I said, I don't want to compare the two, but I remember well when David Duvall would go out and play every weekend and be a factor in a golf tournament, ultimately getting to number one. And now he's a broadcaster, and after he became number one, almost faded into oblivion as fast as you can imagine. And even he admitted that he couldn't handle all that was expected of him after he rose to number one. And I'm not suggesting that's happening to Jordan Spieth, but we all remember what happened to the Masters, and he hasn't really recovered from that. And whether it's the pressure that came too fast at too young an age, whether I don't want to call him a flash in the pan because he's a terrific golfer, and I still think he's going to win, I still think he's going to win majors, but... You know, we, we came to believe there'd be a factor in almost every tournament as he won that was that year. And maybe that was just an outlier year. You know, Dustin Johnson, who we've all expected to be there, you know, on a regular basis, has not really been, you know, he's been around it, but he's not going out and winning them with any regularity, which was expected. So, you know, I, I think what you learn is, A, these fields are exceptionally deep. It's really hard to win week in and week out. Tiger almost, it's kind of like the Patriots in football, how they ruined it for everybody when we say that that's what you have to do. You have to win, you know, five Super Bowls. It's just not that easy for these guys. Kepka is the closest thing that we have to the expectation. Tiger made it look too easy. Maybe Spieth's just a guy that, you know, given a given week, he can go out and win. But I don't know that he's going to be dominant anytime soon. Uh, a couple more questions for I got for you. So, Everyone was talking about him, and it's pretty crazy. The, you know, they talked about so much in the broadcast. Bryson DeChambeau, he, five protein shakes. He worked out three times a day, you know, every day of the pandemic when he wasn't playing golf. Um, he almost looks so big, he looks uncomfortable. Like, you know, I mean, like, putting the ball looks uncomfortable for him. Now he's, he's crushing the ball, and I think it was him and Jordan Spieth have had the, had the biggest gain in driving distance on the tour so far this year, but... What is your what is your thoughts on Bryson DeChambeau? Have you and Mark talked about him at all? We have. I mean, look, he's a mercurial guy. We know that. I mean, he's he's a science guy. We all know about the clubs all being the same length. You know, the check the second the PGA changed the rules to allow you to leave the flag in, he immediately started talking about when he would and when he wouldn't based on the 
you know, the, the, the slope on the green and this and the, the way the grass is going to grow. I mean, he's, he's a loon. And in his mind, this was his path to taking that next step. Uh, I think it's too early to say whether he'll get productivity. But what, what do we know? You know, guys who have smaller frames that want to carry more weight, sometimes it catches up with them, you know, whether it's in the knees, whether it's in the hips, whether it's in the shoulders. You know, he was bombing the ball, and, you know, the short-term results seem to have paid off a little as he was a factor in this event. But we have talked about what impact it's going to have two, three years down the road. And, you know, you get to that point, you know, how hard is it to keep that weight on? Does the weight continue to come on? I mean, he, he's so much of a nut, I think he will find a way to manage it. Maybe he'll arrive at a time when he goes, yeah, i got to take off 20, and he'll do that in three months. Uh, but I think he's just one of these guys that, that's worth observing because he's such a strange guy that, if nothing else, it's compelling to see how he, he, he approaches almost everything that he does with his game. It's pretty crazy. He put on, I don't know how much, 25, 30 pounds. In 30 muscle, pounds or 30 something, pounds, yeah. And Gary Woodland lost 25 pounds. And Patrick Reed lost like 15 pounds. So, I don't know. Everyone was different, I guess, during this pandemic break. But we're visiting with Bruce Lai from Time to Let It Fly with Marie and Lai. like that name, Bruce. like that name. Uh, all right, a couple more, couple more things real quickly, Bruce. Yeah. Before we go, Phil Mickelson, they were taping this right now, turn the age. He's 50, okay? Today he can play on the PGA Tour champions if he wanted to. Yeah. Um, you know, and it makes me think Tiger, I think, is going to be 45 sooner, if not 45 already. Where is this tour in five years? I mean, Mickelson, you know, is not going to be great. I mean, he's not great right now anymore. But once those two guys are gone, I mean, they are the two biggest personalities on the tour, basically. Will, will this? Will people still be watching this tour? Because you know, week in and week out without Tiger and Phil, is it going to be boring? Well, it, it will be a struggle. I mean, make no mistake about it. Forget about Phil. I mean, just take Tiger out of the equation. Tiger will turn forty-five uh, coming up in December, so he's not there yet. But but closing in in six months. You know, we, we obviously saw him with that remarkable Masters and wonder, you know, does he have one or two more in him? I still think 18, uh, 18 is just a number that's too far in the distance to consider it his age and the depth of this field. But I think it's less about Phil. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that Phil doesn't bring eyeballs to the set, but it's apples and oranges when you're talking about Phil and Tiger. And we, look, we know that Phil's best days are behind him. Uh, I talk to Mark about this all the time, and I'm not sure that you know, barring, you know, just an exceptional week, if he's really going to be all that competitive going forward. You know, historically, we just don't see it. Now, guys keep themselves in better shape. In every sport, we're seeing guys play later. Tiger's in good shape, but he's had, you know, knee injuries and back injuries and all that stuff. I think the bigger question is what becomes of this after Tiger. Now, we asked the same question, what becomes of the NBA after Michael Jordan? And there was a lull. And then, you know, LeBron James came along. And I don't know that there'll be another Tiger Woods but, you know, golf has, has kind of gone through these ebbs and flows where the diehard golf fan is going to tune in after Tiger's gone to see Justin Thomas and to see Brooks Kepka and to see Jordan Spieth, and maybe there'll be a young star that comes up. But th- there's no simple answer to that. I mean, Tiger revolutionized what we've come to know as the viewing audience for golf. And, and it's, it's so much less about Phil to me. I don't know if you agree, but so much less about Phil than it is about Tiger. And at some point... He's going to be gone, and golf will settle into its net more natural audience than a guy that, that, that exceeded the, 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 um, you know, the, the framework of the game itself. I agree with you, and I, I do think that the tour lacks personality. I think there's you know, great guys, funny guys, nice guys, but 
you know, there's just not a lot of guys, there's not a lot of John Daly's on this tour right now. You know, there's not, I'm not saying someone should be go out and, you know, drink a lot or whatever he did, but, you know, I just don't see, like, Jordan Spieth, you know, good interview, nice guy. J- Justin Thomas was great in that broadcast with uh, Phil Tiger and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, but are people going to tune in to watch these guys? I just don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to, we'll find out in a couple of years when Tiger isn't just consistently playing in the tour anymore. Well, listen, I'm with you. Um, look, we live in a day and age where everybody is so careful and so coached to say the right thing. I don't care what sport it's in right now until you become somebody that you know has the standing to maybe go out on a limb the way LeBron James does with some social issues. But, you know, Tiger was never the most magnetic personality. He just hit the ball nine miles and won at such an alarming rate. He became must-see television. You know, his antics on the golf course, the fist pumping, and just the way he could dominate when he got into the lead and, of course, was always around it uh, on the majors, became must-see television. It wasn't the personality. It well, was he, more he his made, personality made, as a golfer. What's he that? made golf cool. He made golf he, cool. He made golf cool. Exactly. And I think, look, I'm, I'm a little older than you, so my memories growing up came from seeing all the golfers, and you could almost identify guys by their swing, Arnold Palmer and Lee Trevino and Jack, and now they're all taught the same exact swing. You watch them, and there's some, you know, except for Jim Furyk, there's some subtle differences, but they all look alike. They're all willing to say the right thing. You know, they're friends with each other, Thomas and Spieth. You know, the rivalries aren't there. And, and let's face it, we need that in golf more than anything. Uh, I don't know that Tiger had a true rivalry. They tried it with Phil. It didn't really work because you've got to win to actually be a rival. But when I was young, we had it between Jack and Tom Watson, and before that, Jack and Arnold Palmer. You know, listen, NASCAR peaked has kind of come down, and, and we see what it is now as a sport. Golf may be headed in the same direction. It, it's just hard. Unless somebody comes along that we don't know of yet, it may just settle into this sport that it was for a long time, which you know attracts people who like the game and belong to country clubs, but not too many others. Did you like the, the format, the broadcast, with uh, only Jim Nance up in the booth and the three guys were in Orlando, and then you had two on the course and Immelman and... Dottie Pepper, and there was no fans, and uh, there was some fans because people owned houses by the course, so they were able to, I guess, from across the street, watch and cheer. But did you did you like it? Did it take away from the fact that there was no fans on shots, certain shots? You know, you know, you you and I texted about this before, and uh, Thursday was weird. We were all watching, we were watching the broadcast to see what's it going to be like, and it was odd when you first when they first went out on Thursday. And there's no stands. You're like looking, going, it just looks weird. It looks like I'm watching, you know, an amateur event, you know, where, where they don't have stands and the guys are carrying their bags. And then as the week went on, to be honest, I actually started to enjoy it more. And, and by Sunday, I was like, I kind of like golf without the stands and the fans. Don't ask me why. It just seemed to be calmer. And I'm, I'm sure that, it, it, look, we know it's not going to last, obviously. All sports are going to come back at some point with fans. But it didn't, didn't bother me that much. I mean, I don't know how you felt about it. I know it missed some of that energy and, you know, the oohs and ahs that would come with Shoffley missing that putt or, uh, you know, anybody else making a great shot. But I, I for some reason, I settled in and, and kind of got used to it and didn't mind it at all. I was with you. I think the biggest change for me was the lack of energy. You know, a couple times you would see guys hit the pose after they hit the shot and you'd be like, Where's the crowd noise? Like, oh, I forgot there's no there's no fans. But no, yeah. I, I mean, I was fine. I, I watched it. I loved I loved the ending. I thought it was great golf and great drama down the stretch with Daniel Berger pulling it out. Uh, real, real quickly, Bruce, uh, I know you said uh, you know you're not in the prediction game, but do you like uh, anyone this weekend at the RBC Heritage, which starts on Thursday? 
so I'm not in the prediction game, but you're going to ask me to make a prediction anyway? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, I can tell you that C.T. Pan won last year. I think this, this course <laughs> is more for the, the short hitters because C.T. Pan has won. Jim Furyk has won here in the past. Uh, Davis Love has won five times on this course. So, uh, yeah, who, who do you like this week? Well, well, and, and Love is obviously, you know, not, not a, a short hitter when he was playing. But, right. Um, I, I, okay, I'll pick two guys, um, and I'll take Bryson DeChambeau. Okay. And I'll take Patrick Reed. But with that being said, Mark Lye, who played on tour and loves to make predictions last week, picked John Rahm. You know, coming in before things went, went south, you know, he's playing well. How did John Rahm do this weekend? He didn't pretty, make the cut. Pretty sure he was packing his bags yeah. after Friday. Yeah. So, you know, trying to pick this one bad round, you're going home. Right. So uh, I'll take those two guys, and you can call me when, when, I, when one of them wins. Okay. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Uh, time to let it fly with Marine Live. When is it on again, Bruce? Uh, that would be Wednesday from 4 to 5 Eastern time. And then replayed many times. Bruce Murray's been a friend for many years, colleague, all that fun stuff. I produced this show for many years. Uh, Bruce, thanks for joining us, buddy. Appreciate it. Anytime. Love talking to you. So from Bruce Murray, we go to our two resident golf prognosticators. Both had uh, good picks last week. Carmen had Justin Rose at 8-1 for top five. Carmen DeFalco and Adam Abdallah. What did you have, Abdallah? You had Bryson DeChambeau? Uh, Bison DeChambeau. Bison DeChambeau. Bison DeChambeau. Get it right. Uh, I had him at plus 550 for top five. Nice. Okay, wow. Okay, RBC Heritage nice this week. a little payday for us over the yeah, week. Yeah. Good, good, good yeah. work. Yeah, good work. Yeah, yeah. I had Justin Rose to win, and if he had made Oof. that putt on 18, yeah. which, which he just lost. Well, and speed. I think he also bogeyed, didn't he bogey two of the final three holes on Saturday? He did, yeah. I think, which dropped uh, him down the leaderboard a little yep. bit. So he was, yep. there, he was close. He was right there. Uh, all right, so uh, some crazy odds this week. Dustin Johnson, you can get at forty to one. Yeah. You can get Brooks Kepka at forty to one. Uh, Jordan Spieth at thirty three to one. He had a decent week last week. Kind of fell apart on the back nine, but uh, the favorite once again is Rory. He's at uh, twelve to one, and Bison DeChambeau is fourteen to one. <laughs> what say you, Adam Abdallah? I'm going to go with Bison again. So wow, he's riding uh, him again. Well, Ride Har- the Bison. Harbor Town's the same kind of course. Like if you're going, you like you can't have these guys that are just going to bomb it. You yeah. know, the, that's why Brooks Kepka is probably up there because these guys that bomb it traditionally aren't going to do well. The same guys that did well last week are probably going to do well this week. It's the same kind of course. It's relatively the same distance. These are going to be. It's like an iron course. You have to have driving accuracy. Yeah, accuracy so, matters. I'm going to go with Bryson at fourteen to one. Top five at plus three fifteen. I'm also gonna go with uh, Matt Kuchar, forty five to Cooch, one. Wow! Yeah, Matt Kuchar, forty five to one. I believe Kuchar won there in 2017. Uh, and maybe it was before that. He'd chip in from the from the sand trap. And yeah. I'm gonna take him. So he's been in the top eleven five of the last six years, and you can get him at uh, ten to one to be in the top five, and plus four twenty five to be in the top ten. Not bad. I'll take those. I like Xander. I'm going to go with Xander Shoffley this week. You can get him if you shop it around a little. Uh, I have it at 14 to 1, but I saw as high as 20 to 1. So maybe look and see what you can get the best price at. Uh, anywhere from about 14 to 20 to 1 for Xander Shoffley. Um, you know, he really played well, had a tough lip out there on 17 on Sunday. And early in the PGA Tour, look, that was his sixth top 10. And I know it's been a weird season because it's been interrupted for so long, but early in the year, he played really well. He followed up a lot of top tens or close calls uh, with a good performance at his next tournament. So I'm going to bank on Xander this weekend. 
Uh, the price to get them in the top five is really almost not even worth it. Mm-hmm. It's only about three to one. So I'm going to take uh, again. I have him two wins straight up at fourteen to one. And then Merck mentioned Jordan Spieth, and we were kind of dogging on him a week ago. But I'm going to I'm going to pull a cap and flip here a little bit on Spieth because we wondered, <laughs> you know, what had happened to Jordan's game even before they teed it up last week, and then he was awful to start the tournament, but. He found something, and yeah, the collapse on the not collapse, but I mean, he wasn't great on the back nine Sunday, obviously, Merck, like you said. But at thirty three to one, but just looking at his top five, top ten prices, which you're going to have shorter odds, I kind of like Jordan to play well again this weekend. So, uh, those are two bets that I'm going to make. I've already made the Xander bet, and I, in all likelihood, will also be pulling the trigger on a Jordan Speed bet in the top. All right, so I'm going to go with Brandon Grace at fifty Ooh. to one. He's won there before. I think okay. he won there okay. two or three okay. years ago. He was right in competition till Sunday. I like it. He fell apart. Uh, I'm also gonna go with Ian Poulter at 66 to one. Mm-hmm. Okay, boy, okay. you got a couple of long yes. shots. Yes, I've there. got a lo- I've got the longest shot. And then for my top five, I'm gonna go with the guy who won in the Corn Ferry Tour last week, Ooh. Luke List. Luke who, List. I know he's not the right guy for this course because he does bomb it, but uh, coming off a win, I think he's gonna be confident going this week. So I'll go Luke List. I'll take him at 20 to one. All right, the top five. Right. So my longest of long shots. He had 21 birdies last week. He finished first in overall driving accuracy. You can get him at 175 to 1. 175. Wait, give me these numbers again. 21 birdies last week. 21 birdies. First First overall driving driving accuracy last week. Who had that many? That that would be a one hundred and seventy-five to one. Shot. Lucas Glover. Lucas, Lucas Glover. Glover. Lucas wow. Glover. One hundred and seventy-five to one. Thirty-five to one to finish top five. Just you know, that's probably worth fifty bucks. Let's yeah, face it. Fifty bucks. I mean, I mean, look, you put ten bucks on it. You're making how much? You're making seventeen fifty. A lot. You're making seventeen fifty. Throw good ten math. bucks on it. Come on. <laughs> uh, real you quickly, just move the zero. <laughs> See, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Before we finish up here, did you did you watch Abdallah? Yeah, of course yeah. I watched. I had money. <laughs> I was watching Bryson. Yeah, I did. I, yeah, I got to admit, it was uh, it was nice to sit around. And I, I can't watch from start to finish, um, but, you know, with the kids and everything like that and on the weekends, especially when it's so nice. But I watched, uh, pro- I watched a good chunk on Saturday, probably about two and a half straight hours worth, which was uh, enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, to just sit and I, watch. I didn't, and, I didn't notice a big difference without fans. I mean, you not know, really. I, I still am going to say I like it better without fans because yeah. you can see everything. You can see the whole course. You can see through everything. I like it better without fans. Well, to me, the fans can stay home. We're going to notice it in an NBA game. We're going to notice it in football. If you've watched soccer, I know Adam watches a lot of soccer. Like if you, Premier League's coming back, you know, as we're taping this today. Um, Bundesliga has been back. It's noticeable. It just is. There's an energy and a vibe that they provide. Not to say at a golf tournament it doesn't happen. I mean, we've all been there or we've watched it on TV, and it can get fun. It gets exciting. I think the players do feed off it a little bit when they're in contention. But as a, you know, checking in and out as a viewer watching golf on TV where it's mostly quiet anyway, I don't think you miss it mm-hmm. one bit. I It's... It's going to have, of all the sports, you know, I think some of the least impact, let's face it. I, I do think it was Bryson DeChambeau, I might be wrong, someone said on Sunday that it is helpful having fans because you can find out what's going but, yeah, on in other true. holes, reaction, right. Right. and that you have to really pay attention to the leaderboard a lot more yeah. because, you you know, especially in like Augusta, you know, you hear right the away, roars, right, yeah. the roars, but even, you know, a course like that, you... And there was fans. I don't know if you noticed. A couple of times, yeah. you heard some cheering. There were people who have houses, the homes, yeah. outside of the you know the markers, and they had mm-hmm. a bunch of people over, and they were cheering them on. So I, that was it. From a competitive balance, I think it could affect them more. I wasn't speaking from a competitive balance necessarily, just as a fan at uh-huh. home watching. Right. Like of all the sports, not having it's like NASCAR. You don't notice them anyway. All you hear are the cars. Yeah. I mean, it's like the from just a fan's perspective, sitting at home watching on TV. 
I don't think we're going to notice much, and it's I don't think it's going to affect the the way we view the product. But it's going to be weird in an NBA game, guys, in a finals game. It's going to be weird in an NFL season. It well, is, watch but. UFC. It's been weird in the UFC. See, I don't watch that, but see, I, it's yeah. been weird watching UFC or boxing. It's weird on. in soccer. Yeah, yeah weird. it is weird in soccer. Yeah, you're so used to hearing yeah. the chants and the songs, right? Like it's, yeah. it's Just, hard. And I don't know if you noticed they had that. Well, we talked about that confessional. It's actually out, it was an outside mic, and when you're, I think I forgot what hole it was. You walk by. They ask you a question, or they basically ask a generic question. You just give the answer. And and Jim Nance basically said on Sunday they asked a bunch of golfers to do it, and only I think uh, four or five were able to do it. And then only one guy was mic'd up on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Adam Hadwin. So you know, right now, I mean, they're hoping to have more participation, but whatever. Well, it's the will. first week, so you're not going to get many of the main guys to do it. No, I, I get it. I get it. especially when the tournaments really start mattering more. Great field but, again though this weekend. Great field, because, great field, and it's going to continue that way yeah. because they got nothing else and they miss so much. So. Yep. All right, boys. Thanks All for right. joining us in the golf club. Adam Dow, Carmen DeFalco. Thank you.